You're listening to Therapy for Your Money, a podcast about all things money and finance for therapy practice owners. If you want to feel confident and in control of your financial life, then you've come to the right spot. I'm your host, Julie Harris. I'm an accountant and the owner of Green Oak Accounting. My firm specializes in working with private practices across the U.S., and my team and I have worked with hundreds of private practice owners. I'm on a mission to share all the best practices I've learned along the way because I want you to have a profitable private practice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Therapy for Your Money. Today, we are talking about financial habits of profitable practice owners. This is a topic that I really love because it's so interesting over the years to see the same habits come up over and over again in the lives of our clients who are really profitable in their practice. So I'm going to share that insider info today. In this episode, you're going to hear me mention profitable practice owners quite a few times. So I want to first mention the reason I don't use the word successful is because success of your practice is not only financial, right? So that's why I'm using the term profitable because that's what we're measuring here. And in many of these episodes, we talk about money mindset. So I want you to have the mindset that your practice is going to be profitable. That's a win-win for everyone. It's a win-win for you. It keeps you in business. And it's also a win-win for your community. If you're not worrying about money and how you're going to pay the bills next month, you're able to be present with your clients when you're with them. So what do I mean by profitable? It can mean a lot of different things at a lot of different levels. So for a solo practitioner, that would mean 50 to 80% profit. That's what I mean by it. So if someone is, if a practice owner is bringing in 100K per year, that means that their take-home pay, their taxable income would be somewhere between 50 and 80,000. At a small group practice owner, that would go down as a percentage. So if you had a couple of therapists bringing in you know, 300,000, then you might be taking home somewhere between 100,000 know, to 150, for example. And then if you are a large group practice, my benchmark is 20% profit. So if you have a million dollar practice, then you should be taking home at least 200,000. And that's in both uh, owner's pay and profit. So depending on how the uh, your business is structured, you might bring home money in a paycheck and in distributions. And so I'm looking at all of those together. So I want to start with you know, the main financial functions of the business, right? The way I look at it, there's really four pillars in the financial systems for your business. There is billing, which arguably is the most important one. If there's no money coming into the business, there really is no business. So billing is the first one. Then there is payroll. And if you have employees, that means you know how you pay your employees or your contractors or even yourself. If you have anyone working for you, you have to pay them or they won't be around very long. Then you have accounting and bookkeeping. That's the third pillar. Um, and that's a lot of what we do. We do a lot of bookkeeping, payroll, and tax in my firm. So bookkeeping um, and accounting. And sometimes this is the most ignored financial function of the, the business. And that's because a lot of folks just wait till the end of the year to do that. And that can work sometimes, but there's so much really helpful information that you can find in those numbers that I always recommend to take care of that throughout the year. And then the last financial pillar of your financial systems is tax. So you can't avoid that one very long, or you're going to start getting some love letters from the IRS and the state 
But those are the four main pillars, right? So billing, payroll, accounting and bookkeeping, and tax. And so when we look at our very uh, profitable practices, they tend to put all of those functions on autopilot. And what I mean by that is that if you're looking at a million plus or a multi-million dollar practice, the owner is usually very, very minimally involved in any of those four functions. So they know what's going on in their business. They definitely have some visibility into that, but they're not personally responsible for it. So when that comes to billing, for example, they either have a billing company or they have a uh, billing person on their team or they have an admin who handles the billing, but it's very, very, very rare, or actually in a million dollar plus uh, business, I've never seen that a owner is doing the billing themselves. So someone else is doing that in the business and it's well documented so that if that person were to leave, if that person were to be on vacation, that function is still happening. What I also mean by they put that function on autopilot is that the billing is happening usually daily in a large practice and some smaller practices, sometimes that's weekly, every other day, but it really is frequent. So it's not just once a month, once in a blue moon, I'll, I'll talk to a practice owner who says I bill once a month because I really don't feel like I ever have time to sit down and do it. That drives me a little bit crazy because I don't think you, anyone can afford not to bill often, right? You want the money to be coming into your practice on a regular basis. So you want to put that on, on autopilot. As far as payroll, same thing with putting that financial function on autopilot. They're very minimally involved. So maybe they, they might review the report before it gets submitted just to make sure there's enough cash in all of the, the payroll accounts, but they're, they're usually not calculating and they're not putting that information into the payroll system. So that's one way that uh, owners put that on autopilot. Same with the bookkeeping and the accounting. There's sometimes you'll you'll meet a practice owner who loves doing the QuickBooks piece of their business. And in that case, great. If you love it, more power to you. But if you don't love it, our successful practice owners, they outsource that. So once in a while, it will be an admin who does that. Most of the time, the owner might not want an admin to have necessarily visibility into exactly what's going on in the business. So a lot of times that gets outsourced to a bookkeeping or an accounting firm like mine, right? So that is something that the owner reviews. They usually review the reports monthly when they come out. But what I find is that more times than not, they're poking their heads into QuickBooks every couple of days, every week, just to see what's going on, how they're progressing. They usually like to inspect what they expect so profitable practice owners, they are checking in to see, you know, is revenue up from last month? Is it down? How are we tracking? They know what's going on there. And then as far as the tax piece, definitely they're not doing that on their own, right? You know that I recommend for even the smallest of businesses, if there's one piece in the financial side that you're going to outsource, that should be tax. Don't do your own taxes when you're a practice owner or any kind of business owner, actually. Don't do your own tax return. I think if you are an employee somewhere and you get a W-2 and you have a simple tax return, knock yourself out with TurboTax or H&R Block Online. Have at it. Have fun with it. Go for it. But if you're a business owner, there's a lot of complications that can happen. And I've seen more mistakes than anything else in self-prepared tax returns. And the reality is those can be a lot more expensive to fix. To fix a mistake, it can be a lot... 
The reality is it can be a lot more expensive to fix a mistake than to do it right in the first place. So definitely outsource your taxes. All right, so the next habit is being intentional about how you spend your time. And what I mean by that is, again, our very profitable practice owners, they want to spend their time in the way that is the most valuable to their business. And so that means they're not getting stuck in the nitty gritty. They're not sweeping the floor. They're not processing the billing claims. They're not answering the phones. They're doing the thing that adds the most value. So that can really vary from one owner to another, right? So for some practice owners, that means you are working on recruiting the team. If you're in a significant growth mode, recruiting and finding the right people to be on your team, that can be your most uh, valuable activity. Sometimes that is clinical work. So that is seeing clients, right? And the great thing there is if that's where you're spending your time, and often for a a small to mid-size practice, the owner will be seeing some clients. And so you really have to shift your time between the administrative side of the business and the clinical side of the business. But likely every clinical hour that you do has a much higher return than if you were spending an hour um, answering the phone. Obviously the phone needs to get answered for clients to get booked, right? We know that, but you can pay someone 15, 20, $50 an hour if you're using a VA or an answering service to answer the phones for you. And during that time you go see a client if you're private pay, you might be making $200 an hour. If you're in an insurance practice, you might be making $100 to $120 an hour. That's still a really good return on your money, right? So that for that same hour, you're paying someone, let's just say $30, and you're going to make $120. So for the same hour, that's a really good return on investment. If you're, if you're paying someone $30, for example, and in that same time you go and make $120, you're definitely still ahead. So that's time well spent. So figure out what is the most value for you and your time in your business. That could be also, that could also be the vision work, right? Looking at the big picture, it could be thinking about the expansion, considering what the future holds, considering a new space or your hiring plan, or if you're adding another specialty, um, it can be all of those things. So really profitable practices, the owner spends their time in their area of genius. The third habit that they have is that they pay themselves intentionally and consistently. And if I had a dollar for every time someone has said to me, I really don't pay myself in my practice, but then we go into the QuickBooks account and the team finds they might not be paying themselves intentionally, but they sure are paying themselves because they're paying all kinds of personal expenses through the business. That's not a great habit because then it feels like you're not paying yourself even though you are, right? So I, what I like to see is if you're an S Corp, obviously you have to be on payroll and you should be, so you should be paying yourself through payroll. If you are not an S Corp, uh, or a C Corp, if you are a sole proprietorship, an LLC, a partnership, you should still be paying yourself regularly, even if it's not through payroll. And what I mean by that is that you're going to look at how much do I need to live, right? So that's where I like to start. Start with your personal budget. How much do you need to live? Then 
can fit that amount into your monthly budget of your practice. So you're just transferring that money from your business account to your personal account. And then you can be unapologetic about spending that money. That's the money that you use for your mortgage, for daycare, for your kids' activities, for restaurants. That's the money that you use for that. But you're not using the business money for those things. Because what can happen is it feels like there's never any money left in the in the business. But oftentimes we find that that is masking a personal spending problem. So if you can get a regular transfer of money from your business to your personal account, then you can really see where is the issue. Am I spending too much in the business? Or is it just that I I think my expenses are, for example, $5,000 a month in my personal life, but the reality is I'm usually spending $7,000. And so I'm, I'm consistently just overspending in the business because it's more than I think it is, right? So really looking at those numbers and paying yourself in intentionally and consistently. So don't steal or borrow from the business. Transfer the money to your personal account because then it, it hurts a little bit more too, right? You kind of feel it like, oh, I had to transfer an extra two grand this month. I really need to get my personal spending under control. And ultimately, I want you to have a profitable practice. So if you want 10 grand a month, if you want 20 grand a month, I want you to be able to do that, but I want you to plan for it too, not just to take it out at the detriment of the business. The fourth habit of successful and profitable practice owners is that they review the financial data. Um, And they really review that at least monthly. I find most of the time it's more than monthly, right? So in my firm, we meet with our clients either quarterly or monthly, but we give our clients monthly reports every single month. But we find, again, most of the time, owners are going into the QuickBooks account because when it's all, when it's always up to date, it's really easy to see what's going on, right? You have the app on your phone, you go in and you see what's going on, how you're trending. It's really exciting when the, when the business is growing. So at least monthly. So what if you are just using an Excel spreadsheet or pen and paper at the end of the year? I find that profitable practices, they, they do tackle their money throughout the year. It's not just a year end thing. It can feel easier or or you can tell yourself like, oh, you know, I really, I know what's going on. I look at my bank balance. There's enough money in there. And that might work for a small time. But as you scale the practice, that really doesn't tend to make sense. And you're losing when you do all of the bookkeeping at the end of the year, you're not able to take advantage of all of the wealth of information that your numbers are giving you. Uh, I often say, you know, the numbers are trying to tell you a story and we're here to help you figure out what that story is. But if you're not looking and if you're only looking in the rear view mirror at the end of the year, you really don't get to take advantage of all of that information. All right, tip number five, profitable practice owners, they save for taxes. Oh, No one loves paying taxes, right? So there's a couple of different ways that you can save for taxes. I love Profit First. I think it's a great system. So if you are implementing Profit First in your business, you might have a cap or a tap that is saving for taxes. So a cap is a current allocation percentage, and then a tap is a target allocation percentage. So depending on where you are in your business, 
there's a really wide range of where that might be, right? Sometimes we see it as low as 1% when we're just getting started with implementing Profit First. And in some practices, it can go up uh, close to, you know, 20 25, 30%, it really depends. So a percentage that high will usually be in a solo practice. In a group practice, it's not typically that high because you you might have a lot of gross income, but you pay taxes on the net income. So gross income is the total amount that comes into your practice. Net income is really the profit, right? So income minus expenses equals profit or net income. That's the amount that you pay taxes on. So In a group practice, that's not going to be as much, right? So your percentage might be a lot lower. Sometimes that can be anywhere from five, seven, 10% of the gross income. And there's two different ways you can calculate that as well. If you're doing profit first, um, you can take out the payroll first or take out the payroll after if you're in a group practice. So you do wanna make sure that you're saving for taxes on a regular basis. What if you are an S-corp? If you're an S-corp, you are paying taxes on your payroll, right? On your wages. So you are paying state tax if applicable, federal tax and social security and Medicare, which is FICA. So if you are on payroll, you are already paying a portion of your taxes. What that means is that some of the work has been done for you, right? And that's that's going to be taken into consideration when you get your quarterly estimated tax vouchers because you are paying some during the year as already. So when you are an S-corp, you're also going to have a distribution out of the profit in addition to your payroll. So that piece has not been taxed yet. So that's why you're paying quarterly estimated taxes and that's why you're saving because that piece hasn't been taxed at all. When you're in an S-corp, that portion will not be subject to self-employment tax. So it won't be subject to, to FICA, Social Security, or Medicare. FICA is Social Security or Medi- and Medicare. So your distribution won't be subject to that. One thing that gets a little bit confusing is that when you have an S-corp, that is a pass-through entity. So you're going to pay taxes on the profit, whether you take it out of the business or not. I'm going to say that again because it gets really confusing. When you have an S-corp, you will pay taxes on the profit whether you take it out of the business or not. And actually, an LLC and a partnership are the same because they're all pass-through entities. So in a pass-through entity, anything that's not a C-corp, you're going to pay taxes on the profit whether you take it out of the business or not. It doesn't get taxed again if you leave it in the business. That's the good news. It doesn't get taxed again. But At the end of the year, that all flows through to your personal tax return, either on a Schedule C or on a K-1, and you're going to pay taxes on that. So that's why it's important to have some of that money earmarked for taxes. So look at your 2019 or previous year tax return and take a look. Usually in those first few pages, there's going to be a worksheet that shows a percentage. So look at what that was, and that's a great starting point as far as figuring out what you should be saving. It's probably not going to be completely accurate, especially if your business is growing significantly. It might not be completely accurate, but it's a great place to start if you don't have an accountant or a bookkeeper or someone that you can reach out to to help to get help with those things. So definitely save for taxes. I have seen taxes almost take down a practice. Sometimes when you've got a a great year 
and you know, things went really well. If you don't have someone looking your sh- over your shoulder, again, like an accountant or bookkeeper to say, hey, you're really profitable this year, way to go. If you don't have someone doing that and saying, you need to be saving for taxes, it's really easy to really bask in that first year success and spend all the money, right? Finally, my business is doing well and I'm making money and it's time to go buy a house or a new car or go on a big vacation. And those are all great things and all things that you deserve, but that money wasn't all yours to begin with. So I've seen situations where there's a really successful second year, for example, where very little tax was due in the first year And then there's a huge tax liability in the second year because things went really well. And that tax liability can really follow the practice owner for another three years after that through a payment plan. So plan ahead. If things are growing, that's great. That's a great time for you to reach out to a trusted advisor to look at what's going on in your specific situation and make sure that you're covered. Because I'd much rather you say you have a savings account, save that money off to the side. So you know, it's there when you need it. And then if there's too much money in your tax account, guess what? You get a bonus after tax season. That's good news, right? So if you end up saving too much and there's money left at the end, take it. That's yours. Have at it. All right. So the last habit, I think this is the sixth one for our successful practice owners is they think ahead. What do I mean by that? They're not just thinking in the current moment, right? It's really easy to get stuck in the minutia of running your business and thinking about your payroll that needs to be run tomorrow, the client you have coming in, the phones that need to be answered. But thinking ahead is such a powerful force in your business. So there's a lot of different ways to do that. Sometimes that's the vision and mission work, right? Thinking about where are we going and not just clinically, obviously, I mean, on the financial side. So where are we going? Do I want this to stay a solo practice? Do you want this to grow a couple of clinicians? Do you want to have a hundred person practice, right? Whatever your goal is, it's valid, but how are you going to get there? So have the goal, but also take a look at, you know, if I want to get to a hundred clinicians in five years, that means I really need to add 20 clinicians per year, right? So have a plan to get there. 20 clinicians per year is going to be a little less than one and a half per month. Uh, Do you have a plan to recruit that much? Uh, Do you have the systems in place to be able to support that? So think ahead in that sense, but think ahead in a financial sense as well, right? So if, for example, you're planning an expansion like that, you're probably going to need more physical space. And that usually means there's going to be a decent down payment on or deposit on a a larger space, right? So usually you're going to pay a deposit of first, a lot of times last month's rent. So depending on the space that you're getting, that could be several thousand or tens of thousands of dollars. So saving up to have that, that amount ready. When you move into that space, it might take a little while before you can even move some clinicians in, right? You might need to do a build out, add some soundproofing. There's a cost to that, right? So figuring out how are you going to pay for that or how are you going to finance that and how much is that going to cost? Then you also need furniture for all of that space. So there's a lot of different costs 
that are coming up. So plan ahead so you know how much money you're going to need and build that reserve. Because it's really easy when the money's there, especially if you're doing bank balance bookkeeping and just looking at how much is in the bank and taking money out, it's really easy to lose track of, well, I need a 100 grand or 80 grand for this next step of the business. So I really need to be saving some money in this account. Ideally, you're going to have at least some cash available for that expansion. And it's not going to be all on loans, right? So that would be an ideal situation. And when you're doing those things, you know, one of the ways we help our clients is by forecasting what that looks like. So looking at what are the assumptions that we can make on a financial side for the business? Are you adding three clinicians this month? What is that going to cost, right? Depending on how you pay people, that could cost a lot upfront. It could cost almost nothing upfront. If you're adding space, what's the break-even point of that? How much, how many sessions do you need per month in order to fill that space or to even break even on that space? And what's the income potential on that space? So there's a lot of power in thinking ahead, dreaming big, and really looking at the financial piece of how you're going to reach your goals. What I shared with you are financial habits of our profitable clients. So when I mean profitable for group practice, I mean 20% or more in net income. And when I talk about a solo practice owner, at least 50% profit uh, for the practice. So and profit and owner's pay is kind of something that I group together. So those are some habits If that's where you want to be, I encourage you to consider how you can add these habits into your daily life and how you can be intentional about getting to reach your goals. All right, listeners, what are your action items for today? What financial habits do you need to include in your life? Head over to therapyforyourmoney.com. We're going to have a quick cheat sheet with a list of all the financial habits that you can find right there. Take a look at what you're doing, what you're not, and see what you can change. Have a great day, everyone. If you need some accounting help, head over to therapyforyourmoney.com and click on the Green Oak Accounting button. There you can find out lots of information about my accounting firm and all of our specialized services for private practice owners. The information contained in this podcast represents the host and guest's general opinions and should not be construed as personalized accounting and tax advice. Listeners should consider all facts and circumstances before applying this information and seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Any info provided does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice.